All right, how many of you have these newfangled cars that have lane-assisted driving? Y'all like those things? It's annoying. It's annoying. I mean, if you're a good driver, you don't need lane-assisted driving. I mean, I'm driving along, and everything's perfectly fine, and it hasn't. I haven't seen a car for 5,000 miles. I've only seen cows, and I'm two lanes, and I'm like, you know what? Just to change it up, I'm going to change lanes. And all of a sudden, I try to change lanes, and this lane-assisted driving thing starts beeping and literally shaking and telling me I cannot change lanes because I did not put my blinker on. And I'm like, there's only three cows. I don't need to put a blinker on. I don't need to do this. And so this lane-assisted driving thing is extremely annoying. I mean, there's been times where I've been driving along, and all of a sudden it starts beeping, and it tells me you look down at the little screen, and which makes me a distracted driver, right? And I look down at the screen, and it has this little coffee symbol. And it says, apparently you're asleep because of the way that you're driving. You need to go get some coffee. And I'm thinking, goodness, I don't need all of this. I am a perfectly good driver. Now, if other people in my family were driving, they would need lane-assisted driving, right? I'm just kidding. Lane-assisted driving, it is kind of annoying, but it is a great illustration for us of understanding how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 and following over the next few weeks. And this idea of lane-assisted driving is that as you're moving along the road and path of life, that there are going to be moments where the Holy Spirit begins to just kind of have a little warning sign and maybe even shake you just a little bit and tries to get your attention. And you're thinking that you're driving perfectly fine, that you're going along and everything is good, your life is good, there's nothing really bad happening, and the Holy Spirit begins to shake and speak inside of us, and He says, you are one degree off course. And it could be annoying. So this morning, that's what I want us to think about, is how the Holy Spirit can, can speak to us and talk to us. And one of the things that we struggle with is that in the busyness of life, that there's a lot of noise. And if you've ever been in a car, that there's a lot of noise going on. You've got the radio, you've got your podcast, you've got all this stuff going on. And so all of that is happening, and you may not even hear the voice. You may not even hear the alerts. And so that's why they've even made the steering wheel begin to shake. Because the noise, you may not be able to hear it, but there's something tactile that goes along. And that's the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit will do whatever is necessary to get your attention, even if it means it's got to shake you just a little bit, and it's a little bit uncomfortable for you. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And in Ephesians, this is a book that Paul has written to the church at Ephesus. Now, the church at Ephesus was an interesting church because Paul had spent about three years starting and planting and and propagating and cultivating this new uh, church. And so then today we would call it a church plant, where he's kind of moved in. There weren't any Christians. He went, started in the synagogue, began to, to preach the gospel and explain what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And so people began converting to Christianity. And so as he began to convert, the growth of the church was pretty rapid. And uh, so rapid, he had actually began to re, uh, rent out coliseums and theaters and began to preach the gospel. And the church just began to grow to this massive level. And so, so much that the main worship of the day was the Temple of Diana, which is a, a cult of uh, sexual cult. And um, so they had idols that were made of silver. And so the silver makers, the idol makers, were beginning to lose money because people were no longer buying the Diana models. And as a matter of fact, they were melting them down and getting rid of them. And so these idol guys that were making the idols began to, to talk bad about Paul and to threaten his life. And so there's this tension going on. Here in the city of Ephesus. Now, the city of Ephesus, when it was extremely wealthy, it was a port city. 
And so they had wealth and they had Diana worship. And then here Paul comes in and he begins to kind of shake things up. Now, one of the interesting things about all of the writings of Paul, including Ephesians, is that he writes about what the blessings are as far as being a follower of Jesus. So in Ephesians, the first few chapters, he tells us, hey, in Christ, you have this. In Christ, you have this. And in Christ. And so he's continually, in Ephesians and in other books that he's written, he tells us, in Christ, these are the blessings. And so then in the second half of the book, he says, because now you are in Christ, here's the blessings you have in the second half. He says, this is what your behavior should look like. Here's how you should begin thinking and begin acting and and doing life, because now you're living life out of the blessings. So what we have a tendency to do, and it's good parenting, right, is that we give rewards based upon good behavior. What God does is he offers us grace through the cross, and he says you're going to grow into good behavior. You're going to grow into what it looks like to, to be and to act and to think like Jesus as you live out of the blessings that I've bestowed upon you. And so it's a wonderful thing, this idea called grace and what God has put before us. And so Paul continually reminds us in his writings is that we receive the blessings of God before we have even behaved enough to get them because of what it is about the cross. The cross is all about grace and we didn't do anything to earn the cross. Matter of fact, it's all about the gift that he's given us. And so Paul in his writing continually reminds us of that. And so here we are in the second part of Ephesians. And this is what we call some of the behavior things that Paul wants us begin to see. And so in this passage in 14 and following, he talks about how the Holy Spirit, that whenever you've said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is deposited with inside of us and takes residence. And so in us, the Holy Spirit is the lane assist driving that shakes us and and moves us and and brings us back on course when we're off. So some of you have been in church for a long time, this word repent, you've heard. And so it's this idea if you're driving in one direction and it's the direction that you've chosen, it's your path. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you're moving in the opposite direction of where you should. And so all of a sudden lane assist driving takes over and begins to shake you. And you realize I'm going in the wrong way. This is not life giving. I'm going to hurt. This is not the right way. And so you repent, You literally turn and as your GPS says rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. You reroute your course back to the course that God has for you. So lane-assisted driving. Again, Ephesians chapter 5. Let's look at verse 14. Awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, the first thing that I want you to get from this passage is this, is that drifting happens. Drifting happens. When you're driving, it's easy, and you don't have this lane-assisted deal, it's easy for you to drift. You can kind of lose track of where you are. You begin singing, you begin doing things, and you're just becoming distracted, or you become sleepy, and so you begin to drift over. And so the same thing that is true in our driving is true in our spiritual life. Here, this word sleeper is someone that is spiritually lazy. They're not exercising and doing the discipline that they need to do as a follower of Jesus. And so you begin to drift off the path that God has for you. When you're distracted or when you become asleep, you begin to kind of move over. And now, we have this first line of defense in the Holy Spirit is this lane-assisted driving. And if you're not really paying attention to that, what's the next line of defense in driving? It's the rumble strip. You ever felt those and it kind of shakes everybody in the car because if you're a little drowsy or you're beginning to fall asleep and you hit the rumble strip, it's loud and it kind of shakes you, right? And then the next one, if that doesn't get you, the next line of defense is the guardrail. 
And some of you, you've kind of scraped up against some guardrails, and that's loud, and that's nasty. That's going to leave some marks, some scars of life. And then if there's not a guardrail, the next thing is a bar ditch. And if you've ever been in one of those ditches, you're not getting out without a tow. You're going to have to call for assistance. You're going to have to ask people to get you. And so there are defenses along the way. And the Holy Spirit, the desire of the Holy Spirit is to get our attention at that first moment whenever we begin to drift just a little bit. Because one degree off course is deadly. And the lane assist knows that. It's keeping guides on the lines and it knows that we've chosen this road and this path and this is the way that we're going. And it's guiding and directing us and moving us from point A to point B so that we can enjoy the journey and take it in. But as you know that the noise of life and the beauty of creation sometimes distracts us from where we're going. I think it's one of the cool things about the lane assisted driving is that not only is it audio, but it's also tactile. That if you're having the noise of life and the radio's going and it's blasting, you may not be able to hear the alert, and so the car begins to shake you. And the same is true that we need those moments of, there's those moments where God can, trying to get through to us and the small, still voice that God usually talks to us in, if life is too noisy, then we're not able to hear the voice of God. As I've said to you before, one of the things that we've been trained in our house is to hear the Spirit and the voice of my wife. And so you can be in Target or Walmart and these super big stores, and you're going to hear this psst amongst all the different things. Our, our voice, we can hear and pick it out. As a matter of fact, I've told this illustration so many times, I will walk into places now and I hear other families doing it. And so you can be distracted by this. But the voice of God, the Holy Spirit, is quiet and still and wants to get our attention because he, most of the time he wants to whisper clear directions to us and lane assisted driving does that it shakes us at our core and it gets our attention to hear the voice and the warning that drifting happens the second thing that i want you to get is that not only does drifting happen but you need to be an alert driver now we're in this stage of life in our household where we have a driver in training i won't tell you who that is but this is a driver in training and can i tell you that when you have a driver in training that you're more alert than when you're driving yourself because as you're a driver in training and you're there kind of helping and guiding, you're looking and watching for every possible thing. Because one of the things that you're doing as a person who's training another driver is you're trying to see all the things for yourself because you want to live through this experience. But then you're also kind of gauging and you're teaching and you're saying, hey, do you see that cow at 500 yards moving at us? Do you see that tree? Hey, look, you're drifting over here. But at the same time while you're doing that, you can overwhelm the driver with too much information. And that sometimes you just have to let the driver do it. And the Holy Spirit does that for us. Is that there's those moments as we're moving along, is that it kind of speaks and says, hey, do you see this ahead? Yes. And so that they can have hours and hours and hours of driving with someone else who's experienced these things over and over and over again, and they can see things happening before the new driver can. But it's sometimes the new driver, as they get more experience, the the old driver that's training has to sit by the side and literally just be quiet unless it's a moment of extreme danger for everyone. And isn't it cool that God works that way with us? As that he is in the car directing our paths and he's training us and he's guiding us and he's molding us and he's speaking truths to us and he's keeping us on paths and he can see things ahead and he'll say, hey, do you see this danger? There's a warning sign. 
pay attention to this and, and consistently. And the more that we drive and let him do the directing and, and follow the directions that he got, the more that he begins to just whisper silently to us in the moments, just when we need a little correction here and there. One of the interesting things, too, is that people watch us. You know, we buy cars and people look at those cars and they're like, those are cool cars. Do you realize that as a follower of Christ is that people are looking at your car and watching how you drive your car? Not necessarily your physical car, but they're watching how you do life. And they're wondering, hey, what are they doing? How are they moving and going about? And, and how do they able to keep on the path that they're going on? And this is the idea of discipleship and people watching you. And that for us as followers of Jesus, there's moments to step in the car with someone else and to walk with them and to guide them because they've never been on a certain path or they've never been on this part of the journey before, but you have, and you've been hundreds of times, if not thousands of times. And that you can step in and not be a backseat driver, but to be a person of confidence. And if they need assistance, you can offer assistance. God says to us, drifting happens. But then also we need to be awakened. We need to be alert to the driving. And one of the best ways to do it is to walk and do life with someone else. That you're more alert when you're doing life with other people because you're, you're able to see twice as much in your heightened senses of what's happening and of the dangers that are possibly ahead of you. The final thing that I want you to get from this passage is that a lighted path is the safest path for us to drive. Now, some of us drive at night because there's less cars out there, but as you're driving along, if you've driven a path at night and then you drive it in the morning, you realize how much you've missed because you drove at night. The beauty of different things, you saw you didn't see this building and you missed this and you missed that, and that there's something about driving in better light. And I hear that as the older you get, the more easy, more difficult it is to drive at dark, in the darkness because of how all this stuff goes. Now, one of the things we also have in driving is we have this thing called high beams. And so in the old days, you would push the little button down here and it would high beam and you can see. And it, what it does is it opens up the light and you can see more to the side and a little bit more in front of you. And that is same, the true for us is that in life as we're driving, there are moments where it feels like we're driving in darkness. And that the Holy Spirit can say, turn on your bright lights. Now these newfangled cars even do that for you. And they know when you can have your brights and your not brights on. And so God, in his wisdom, turns on the bright lights because he knows that there are things on the periphery that we need to be able to see. There might be a deer over here. There's something else that's about to cross into our path that we need to see just a little bit further and a little bit wider than normal. But the interesting thing what God does with us when we're driving along the journey of life is he just gives us enough sight for the next little bit of the journey. That he doesn't shine a light five miles down the road or even three miles down the road or even a mile down the road because we cannot handle that amount of information of what we need, what we think we need. God says, I'm going to give you just a little bit for the next little bit. I'm going to give you a little bit. And as you teach someone who's beginning to drive, what do you tell them? Look just a little bit further ahead so you can see whether you've got to turn the curve or those different things or see if someone's about to cross your path and, and anticipate. Are they going to stop at the stop sign or the stoplight? Are you going to have to... And so you begin to teach those things, and God, in his infinite wisdom, lights up the path just enough so we can see oncoming traffic. He can see the things on the periphery so we can be cautious when to be cautious and when we can push fully on the gas and go full steam ahead. Drifting happens. And in the moments of driving, you need to be alert and be aware because there's along the way, there's going to be moments of darkness and you're going to be unsure of the path that you're driving and what's going on. And, 
and you're going to hear rerouting, 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 and you're going to wonder, what in the world am I doing? Where do I need to be going? And you just need to know that God is going to give you just a little bit further along the road that you can see. Light awakens the sleeper. Some of you awoke this morning because light came through your window, right? And you were a little bit groggy and you didn't want to experience the light. One of the things about this passage that whenever God talks about us experiencing the light, it's this idea of Shekinah glory. And that is you say yes to Jesus and that the deposit of the Holy Spirit resides with inside of you. That the longer that you sit in the car with God and experience his presence, you have what happened in similar experience to what Moses happened. When Moses went to the top of the mountain and he encountered God, he came down off the mountain and the people said, we cannot look upon your countenance because we can tell that you've been in the glory of God. And so we, as we do life with God and in the journey of life and sit in the car, the more that we're in his presence, the more we're transformed and people say, there's something different about you. There's something about your countenance. There's something about your character. There's something in the way that you love. There's something about the way that you care. There's a transformation that's happening, and that transformation only happens when we're in the presence of the Holy Spirit, when we're in the presence of God and listening to His voice. And that through that, as you walk out in life, that the Shekinah glory is literally going before you, and people see in you, there's the sense in them that there's something different about you, and they crave that, they want that, or they notice it. And they want to hear and they want you to be sit in the car with them and help drive them and take them to some places that they've never been in their faith journey. One of the things we've been talking about is there's one road. And in reality, the scripture tells us there's two roads. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus tells us there's two roads. There's a narrow road and there's a wide road. And the road that I've been talking about this morning is the assumption is that you've said yes to the narrow road and you're on that journey and so that a narrow road, that there's going to be trials, there's going to be struggles, there's going to be times where you're going to, there's going to be impatient traffic jams. And this is why the Holy Spirit is important, if not essential, to journey on this, on this path, on this narrow road, because of the journey that you're on. But then also there's the narrow road, there's also the wide road. And let's be honest, this is where most people take. It's an easy path. It's where everyone else is going. It's what everyone else is doing and, and all of that. And so you can easily go down that road. And as the Scripture tells us, those two roads lead to two different destinations. That you come to a, a point in your life where you choose a fork in the road and you choose either the narrow road or the, or the wide road. And when you choose the narrow road, you're saying yes to a gift, but it doesn't mean that life is easy. As a matter of fact, it's a, maybe even more difficult at times to drive the narrow road because you have to trust and the lane-assisted driving even more. You have to be more attention. You have to have more alertness and be aware of your surroundings because around every curve is an opportunity to fall. Every, around every corner is an opportunity to mess up and to have a wreck that will devastate this journey that you're on. But the wide road is one that leads you further and further and further away from the narrow road. My challenge for you is that if you've not said yes to the narrow path, that maybe today is your day. And that you're looking at that fork in the road and you're saying, listen, I, I've been taking the wide road and I've been stopping along the way and all the different things that the convenience stores have never been filling and never providing. I want to choose the narrow road. And maybe that's your decision today. My prayer is, as followers of Christ, 
that you listen to the lane-assisted driving that you have in the Holy Spirit, that you would allow yourself to hear the small, still, quiet voice, and that you hear the alert, and you would feel the shake of the steering wheel and begin to slow down and to hear the voice of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you have given us the gift of the narrow road. Father, in many ways, the narrow road is the more exciting road. There's more turns and curves and dips and valleys and mountaintop views and valley views. But, Father, the only way that we can experience that road is to trust in you. The great and awesome thing about the narrow road is you've walked that path. You've driven it. You know every curve. You know every pothole. You know every possible, potential, harmful thing in our way. And you shine the lights just far enough, just wide enough for us to take every next curve. Father, may we trust in you. Maybe today the first thing we need to do is trust in you and take the narrow road instead of the wide road. And Father, that that began our journey of just trusting every single day in the narrow road that you love us and you care for us and that you're not going to let us have a blowout. You're not going to let us our engine blow out. Father, you are going to help take care of the engine and the driving force the vehicle that you've given us. Father, may we bring glory and honor to you by the way that we drive, by the way that we journey. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Now listen, one of the things that a lot of us have a tendency to do is we are in a hurry. We like the highways and the tollways versus the country roads when we're trying to get from point A to point B. I've even heard that there's a game called Beat the GPS Time, where if you pull it up and it says it's an hour and 15 minutes to so-and-so, you're like, I got an hour and five, and that you can beat it, And you're, because we are point A to point B, get there as fast as we possibly can, and that is counterproductive to our faith journey. That actually, many of the times, what we need to do is we need to actually, like in the old days, do a Sunday afternoon drive, roll down the windows. And have no agenda or no purpose other than to just drive and to just be in the presence of the driving trainer. And to listen to his voice, so to turn off the radio and just to experience the beauty of his creation. And just to spend time and not have an agenda other than just to be in the car with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And to let them sing to us and say to us what we need to hear with no agenda other than just being. Because it's in those moments that God develops our character, allows us to see things that we've never seen before. And that there's even sometimes where maybe he just needs to take the wheel for a moment and let us stop and just see the view. One of the things is I've been training my driver that I've said over and over and over again is I didn't even know that was there. I hadn't seen that before. Wow, how long has that been there? 
and everybody else that doesn't normally drive in a family is like, it's been there forever, Dad. We drive by it every single day. But if you're focused on the road, you don't see those things. And so maybe sometimes, just let somebody else drive and just enjoy the ride for being along 